welcome to Best Laid Plans, the podcast about all things planning and planning adjacent. Well, I have a really, really exciting episode for you today. I get to chat with Gretchen Rubin, who I have been reading and admiring and learning from for at least a decade now. I was enamored with her first, uh, well, it wasn't actually her first book, but her very popular book, The Happiness Project, when it came out, I think in 2010, maybe. And I've been following her ever since on her blog, on her podcast. I honestly love everything she does. And it was such an honor to have a conversation with her today. I learned so much once again, and I hope you all enjoy the interview. I am so excited to welcome Gretchen Rubin to the show today. Oh my gosh, this is like, uh, honestly, a, a podcaster's dream. Gretchen, can you go ahead and introduce yourself? Yes, I'm so happy to be talking to you today. I'm Gretchen Rubin. I'm the author of many books, including The Happiness Project, The Four Tendencies, and Better Than Before. And I am also co-host of the Happier with Gretchen Rubin podcast which I listen to pretty much religiously every week. And I, I, I actually had another podcast on recently, and I always say, like, whenever I speak to someone who I've listened to via podcast, they sound really calm because I usually listen on, like, 1.5 speed. So oh. Oh, I'm so excited. Actually, But isn't it funny to see people's faces? I feel like it always takes a while to, like, you're like, I don't know what I thought you looked like, but it's not like that. <laughs> Yes. And also just the fact that like everybody sounds so calm and Zen because they're not sped up like I'm normally hearing them. (laughs) So I want you, you're going to talk about lots of fun stuff for us today, but I'm curious about how do you do your planning? You have so much going on. You have long range projects and short things that happen every week. So how do you keep it all together currently? Well, you know, I I love to plan and I find it really useful, but I also do find it like very calming and focusing. So I, I do enjoy the process. So I do the basics, which is like I have a to-do list, which is, you know, right in front of me and I'll go through that. And I use that. I use my calendar also as a to-do list. And so I will plan that. I'll put even things that other people not, might not put on. I might put on my calendar just to help me remember. For instance, I wanted to try the habit of napping because there's all this research suggesting that a 25-minute nap every day is really great for mood and memory and focus. And I thought, well, you know, if I put it on the calendar, I know that I'll do it. And that'll help me sort of experiment with this habit. Whereas I think I might have thought, oh, I'll just try it out. I'm like, no, I'm going to put it on the calendar. I do long-range planning on the Happier podcast. We talk about this a lot. Like we pick a one-word theme for the year. We write like a 21 for 21 list of like 21 things that we want to get done in 2021. And those are often some of them are serious and onerous, but some of them are also kind of whimsical and fun because it, it can be hard to get yourself to do the fun things. And I love a resolution, an old-fashioned New Year's resolution. I like making those. So I like to have a lot of different ways of making serious plans, fun plans, short-term plans, work plans. I think that having a lot of different ways to get at it really does help me follow through on my aims for myself. And as you're capturing everything, do you tend to, you said you have a list in front of you. So do you have a paper book for lists as well as I think you use like an electronic calendar for your calendar? Because we're going to talk about how that has evolved over the years. Oh, yes. Yes, that was very painful to go to the electronic calendar. But if, at a certain point, it just became so much more efficient to do it, you know, that I just I felt like I had to embrace it. And it was like a whole thing that I had to like spend months making my peace with the fact that I wasn't going to have a physical document because 
You know what it's like. If you really value that physical experience of writing it down, crossing it off, looking at it, just being able to glance through something, flip through it. I mean, I have all my old, I have, um, Filofax makes this wonderful little kind of full, uh, it's like the hardback covers of a book or like a notebook that you can put your old pages in. So I have it going back so many years. And sometimes I would go back and look at that. Like I could look at what I had in college and or law school. I, I, I could look up the date that I met my husband for the first time. I mean, it's just, you know, but it's just not as efficient. It's not as useful. It's really so, but yeah, like the to-do list I keep on paper and I've tried doing that digitally partly because my handwriting is so bad, but it can't replace it. There's something about the physical act of writing, crossing, seeing it in that form that I, I found is not replaceable. Oh my goodness. I'm like mourning. I, I, cause I do remember reading your older work and maybe even towards the beginning of happier, you were still using your Filofax. Yes, and I believe you had the recently. same cover that you used for like forever. Yes. Is it that- was the very first one that my mother gave me for Christmas that got me started. So yes, still have it. It's right in my desk, right above my head. Like I, I will never part with it, but I do not use it for my active calendar anymore. Okay. Well, at least it still exists. Yes. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Yeah. I kind of got chills at the idea that you could pull out the page where you met your husband. Like that's, I that's know. amazing. I should frame that, right? Actually, you now that you say that. I really should. I should do that for like a big anniversary or something. Oh, you gave me a great idea. Thank you. That would be really, that would be really fun. Yes. Like the first day we held hands. Oh, so sweet. I wonder Seriously. if she even remembers it. Yes. Well, we could, that would be good. We can talk about it even if I don't end up framing it as a gift, but I think I will. Why not? I think that is such a romantic and beautiful idea. I don't think I have any planners from when I met my husband, unfortunately. I did have planners then, but they're gone. I'm not very good at keeping things, but anyway. So you, your career has obviously grown and gone crazy. I mean, you've met Oprah, like you've done so many amazing things and you, you had to have built a little bit of a team uh, yes. doing this. So how do you integrate them into your planning rituals and process? Like, do you share lists? You share your calendar? Like, how do you, how do you keep it all together? Well, that's a really good question because it's very recent that I've been working with a team. I had worked with one person, but it kind of like she did her work and I did my work. And while we collaborated a lot, we didn't coordinate in that way. But now I'm working with a team where there really is a lot more kind of like we have a lot of bigger projects that have to be managed. And so, yeah, digital calendars are great. Figuring out long-term calendars, when things are going to like, you know, um, because if you're doing complicated things, this this is the planning thing, right? If you're doing something complicated... You can't just wake up one day and decide to do it. And you certainly don't want it to be like a week away and realize like, ooh, all these. There's this old proverb. The best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. The second best time is now. And the thing about planning is you want to be thinking about that tree back in 20 years ago. And the only way you can do that is now. And so to have planning. And so I'm in that with that. There are you do need to coordinate so that, you know, everybody knows what everybody's doing and everybody's doing it in a timely way. That's a real challenge. And that's a new challenge for me, because in the past, it was really just me managing myself. And I can keep a lot going. But then when you coordinate with other people, you have to externalize that more. Got it. How about, how do you go, do you block in time to like think about your creative stuff? Like, do you have hours that are very, very protected in Mm. terms of when you might brainstorm ideas for your books or for your podcast and stuff like that? That's an interesting question. I'm a real morning person. 
So for me, my highest value intellectual time is, say, from like six to nine in the morning. And it's also a time when I'm not really interrupted. There's not a lot going on. Like I have a daughter, but she's big. Like she can get herself up. I have to make sure she's awake and around, but I don't have to like, you know, make get her dressed or anything. Um, so that time is very good for me. So that is often the time that if I have like, I want to write, the hardest thing that I do is to write new material for a book. So if I'm like, okay, I want to write that section or I want to, you know, attempt that section or there's some, a lot of times things have to be rewritten over and over and over. I will try to do it in that slot. Or if I have like a really challenging email to write or something that's just hard, I will wait. I'll even say like, I'm just going to wait and do this in the morning when I'm fresh. Because in the morning is my best time. But really I'm writing and thinking all the time, whether it's for the podcast or whether it's for, um, the book that I'm working on now, which is about the five senses. I'm also working on a little fun book, um, which is a book of aphorisms. So I'm writing aphorisms and also collecting aphorisms. I have this moment of happiness newsletter where I send a quotation about happiness out every day. And so I'm constantly like gathering quotations for that. Or like I have these huge documents where I'm, I constantly take notes. So I'm doing that all the time and everything's sort of feeding into everything else. So I'm really fortunate in that it all relates to each other. Like I'll often be reading something for a book, but that'll give me an idea for research, but that'll give me an idea for the podcast. And it's interesting because people often ask, how do you manage note-taking? And I do it just in these giant dumping ground documents. I don't have a lot, of, I don't use a lot of structure to manage it. I, I kind of like, you know, sometimes there's sort of the serendipity of things just being kind of haphazard that you see unexpected juxtaposition. Sometimes that unleashes creativity. So I find that for me in that format, I do like an extremely loose structure. Whereas in other things, I think that you real I I would really feel the value of something being, you know, like files. I mean, I don't know. I made the rookie mistake several years ago of making a file called miscellaneous. And I'll never <laughs> make that mistake again, right? It's like you got to know what's in a file for it to be useful. There's probably something really brilliant though in that miscellaneous file. I don't know. But who <laughs> knows? So because mysterious. I never look in there. That's the problem. I was like, then I'm back then similarly, I made something called active useful documents and I never looked in there either. I'm like, you just you can't have a catch-all like that. It has to be it has to be related to something that you're looking at. I found. Yeah, but maybe for some people they would love that. Like I'll just stick stuff in there and every once in a while I'll go through it and see what I turn up. See what brilliant things are hiding. Yes, well, exactly. I am so excited for the five senses book. And I oh, honestly, good. as I was thinking Wonderful. about what to discuss with you, the five senses, well, taste is a, is a stretch, but there are totally five senses of planning and yes. they totally all, the people who listen to this podcast and especially those who are interested in like buying fun products, yes. like, it's totally all five senses. Oh, it's all it, five senses. It's like what it looks like, what the paper feels like, even what it yes. sounds like, like the yes. ASMR of like the crackling yes. paper, what good paper smells Ooh, and like. The, the like, feel of the pen, like a yeah. pen that has just the right scritch or just the right flow of ink, the colors. I got this set of felt tip pens. You know, everybody wears, uses the same black and blue felt tip pens. And then I was just in an office supply store as one does, goes into an office supply store. There's all these odd colors, like deep purple and maroon and like burgundy. And I was like, this is great. And now it's just so, and I don't color code. I'm not a, like a bullet journal who's using color code. I just have fun of like, oh, I'm going to use this like powder blue. and. Yeah, no, but you're right. The five senses is such a, it's so multi-sensory. Yeah, taste is maybe the one. So maybe what should we do? Like, is there like, we could have like a scratch and sniff journal 
that maybe it's like Willy Wonka when he had the wall, the lickable wallpaper. Maybe there's like a little, <laughs> a little, a little candy that you, I don't know. We'll have to think, we'll have to figure, puzzle that one out. That's too funny. Well, maybe if you had like a certain beverage, a certain type of coffee that you always drank. But people do that. You're a hundred percent right. Even if it's not part of the journal itself, it's part of the process. It's often part of the ritual where people will. And I absolutely do that. I sit down with my cup of coffee. It's first thing in the morning. I look at my list. I start crossing things off. Sometimes I recopy it at that point. And it is very much associated with like, oh, I'm going to get myself like some cold seltzer in the afternoon or a hot cup of coffee in the morning. And, um, that taste is very much associated with it, but that's a good way to kind of amplify the pleasure of it is really make it into a ritual and think about how delightful it can be to your senses, how satisfying it can be. That is so, so true. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from our episode sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by prep dish. Getting a healthy dinner on the table is certainly routine we are focusing on as the school year is now in full swing. And PrepDish is a tool I've been using regularly to help me do just that. PrepDish is a meal planning service where you get weekly menus that are great for striking the right balance between healthy, kid-friendly, and convenient. As I'm planning meals on Sunday, I put my PrepDish meals straight into my planner, and that's when I do my grocery shopping as well. They offer keto, paleo, gluten-free, and super fast plans, which we usually use one of the last two. And then my meal planning is done for me in an instant. PrepDish has two major benefits the way I see it. First, they do all the work for you when it comes to choosing varied, healthy, and delicious meals for the week. When I'm picking myself, I find myself getting sick of the same things I end up choosing, but having Alice and her, and her team choose for me brings in more variety and fun. Second, she puts together an amazing game plan for prep day to make the rest of our week go smoothly. This can be done on a relaxing weekend afternoon with your favorite fall playlist or podcast in the background, or maybe you're going to have a bigger kid help you with it if that applies. No matter who is doing it, having things pre-made in advance makes things run so much more smoothly on busy weeknights, and I love that about Prep Dish. The founder, Allison, is offering our listeners a free two-week trial to try it out. So that is a great way to see if the plan works for you. Check out prepdish.com slash plans, P-L-A-N-S, for this amazing deal. In addition to the super fast menus that I love, as I mentioned, she has gluten-free, paleo, and keto options. So there's really something for everyone. Again, that's prepdish.com slash plans for your first two weeks free. And if you try it, I'd love to know. Tell me all about it. You are in for a treat because support for today's episode comes in part from Jenny Kane. I love Jenny Kane, and I hope you love shopping there to support the show. When you do, visit JennyKane.com and use code PLANS for 15% off your first order. Mother's Day is just around the corner, and this is the perfect gift to treat all the well-deserving moms, moms-to-be, and mother figures in your life. Jenny Kane is a California brand through and through, and their staples make getting dressed easier than it's ever been before. Think minimalist and effortless, yet totally refined. This season, I am so into the beautiful dresses that Jenny Kane has on offer. My personal pick and what I'm hoping to wear all season is the Callan dress. I have it in the khaki color and feel like I could literally wear it to anything. And the best part is it's perfect for warm weather, which we have plenty of, but you could also layer it in a chilly air-conditioned space. I also have my eye on the day dress. It's such a classic silhouette. One thing you might not know about Jenny Kane is that they also have an incredible rewards program where you can earn up to 10% back with every purchase and joining is completely free. 
Find your perfect Mother's Day gift or curate your new spring uniform at JennyKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off your first order when you use code PLANS, P-L-A-N-S, at checkout. That's 15% off your first order at J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com, promo code PLANS. Get yourself and the women in your life the best gift of all, Jenny Kane. Today's episode is sponsored in part by Factor. Factor is sponsoring this episode with an awesome discount code, PLANS50, to give you 50% off your first month and 20% off the next. Trying out our sponsors helps keep the show going, and I think this is a wonderful time to give it a try, given that it's always a busy season. Factor offers no prep and no mess meals that are tailored to your wellness goals. They offer multiple options from protein plus to plant-based to keto and many more. No matter what your health goals are, you can keep kitchen time to a minimum while enjoying healthy and delicious meals with premium ingredients with Factor. You can get started feeling great and fueling well now by giving them a try. Head to factormeals.com plans50 and use code plans50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code plans50, P-L-A-N-S 50 at factormeals.com plans50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now, one unique thing that kind of relates to planning and memory keeping that I learned about from you is the book of now. Can you tell yes. our listeners about the book of now? Yes. Well, now I call it the album of now. Somehow I oh, thought, yes. what do you think? Do you, do you like <laughs> album of now or book of now? Either. Well, awesome. <laughs> well, I don't know about you, but what I realized is that when I look back on my life, um, like I, you always take pictures like when you're on vacation or you're like at a big party with a bunch of friends. But when I'm looking back on it, I was like, I'm really curious. What did my bedroom look like? What, what did our, when I, when I was 10 years old, what did we have in the refrigerator? You know, what did my grandparents garage look like? The ordinary things. And so I went around and I just took pictures of like every room in our apartment. I took some pictures of sort of street scenes where you could see the way people were dressed and the way cars looked and the way what was on the outside of a bus. I took some pictures in like a drugstore and a grocery store, like just what is sort of a typical shelf look like. Like I took a thing like breakfast cereals, right? Because they changed so much over time. And then I just, I made a photo album of it. And then sort of went through and wrote captions just to point out anything remarkable, like talk about planning. In my picture of my office, you could see on the cork board, I had a big, an index card with the word open on it in big letters because my one word theme for 2021 is open. So I just pointed that out so that future Gretchen will be like, if I don't remember, I'll be like, that's the word of the year for 2021. So that's why that is there. And it was so satisfying to feel like I had somehow memorialized now, which of course is already like a couple of months ago, and found a way to just hang on to sort of the beautiful, ordinary things. You know, you know how you look back and you're like, oh, I forgot about that wallpaper that we had growing up or that funny doormat we had. Like those little things are often the, what you're most excited to remember and to see. Not like, oh, here's my whole family in front of the Eiffel Tower. 
We were like, who cares? It's the Eiffel Tower. But like, what did our front door look like? Yeah. So that was a really, really fun project. I love that. And I think so many elements of that can go into either like memory type planning, like if you have a five-year journal or something like that. Yes. Take a picture of, yeah, exactly. Like your regular mug that you use every day and just like paste it in there because it's going to be special. Yes. And you wouldn't have thought to do it. Like I I never would have thought of this idea. And I just, I love it. What does your pantry look like? What does your medicine cabinet look like? You know how you go in and out of products and then you're like, oh yeah, I remember that. And then again, back to the sensory thing, you sort of remember, oh, right. That was the smell of that face cream that I used to wear or, oh, that's, you know, it it, it really, it really does help you to, to hold on to those memories. Yes, yes, yes. Well, speaking of memories, you are coming out with some really, really fun products for those who really enjoy writing down their memories, which again, many listeners, including myself really love that. So yeah. I want to hear more about these. I think some of them have come out this fall and yes. I can imagine a lot of them being part of people's kind of 2022 rituals yes. that they're thinking about starting. Yes, I hope so. Um, well, one of the things that I've seen, and I'm, I'm sure you're, you, you've seen this as well, is that people are really very different. Like people can have the aim of planning or they can have the aim of keeping a journal or the aim of keeping mementos and souvenirs and keepsakes organized, but they really do it in very different ways. And there's not kind of a one-size-fits-all solution um, that works for everyone. And so I've been very interested over time seeing how different people approach these general aims. So say something like keeping a journal. I think a lot of people have the desire to keep a journal. But then there's a lot of people who maybe they get to like January 7th or 8th, and then it's like, that's it for the year. So I have a uh, one-sentence-a-day journal. So you can write just one sentence a day so it feels manageable. And so you could write just a general memory. You could write like sweet family memories. If you were starting a side hustle, you could write down like what you did that day to use it as kind of like something like uh, to keep track of what you've done. Or if you wanted to sort of have this very quick overview of like highlights, you could use it as a gratitude journal. I have a friend who was going through chemotherapy. So she wanted to just kind of memorialize that. To my surprise, a lot of people are using these as keepsakes. They're doing it with the intention of thinking, I'm going to give this to my child on their 18th birthday or when they graduate from high school, or this is something that I hope that my, my grandchildren, my, I, my grandfather kept a journal and it's been really fun for my family to look back and see on his like World War II service, I want to keep a journal that I can pass down to my grandchildren. So people approach it in many different ways, but what they have in common is Okay, I can do one sentence, but I don't know that I can, you know, like that might be, that might tap me out. The bar is low. The bar is low. So it's very manageable. So it's very consistent. But another thing is, I think, you know, speaking of memories, but then also of planning, one of the things that many people find to be helpful is a don't break the chain approach where you really are trying to do something every single day. Um, So I created this don't break the chain journal where you can check off each day. You can note it if you skipped it. And then there's a lot of notes where you can, like, let's say you want to read for at least 20 minutes every single day. That's something that we talked about on the Happier podcast, which is read 21 and 21. And so all these people are reading. So you could check it off if you did it. And then you could keep a record of all the books that you finished in a particular month. So in a way, so it's a keepsake in that you are like, you're going to look back at the end of 2021 and be like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe how much reading I did. I, oh, look back, January. I forgot that I read this this novel. And then you'll see all the things you did. And, and this is one of the things about planning. 
to be an effective planner, you have to understand your stumbling blocks. You have to understand, you know, what are the times where I have to make special effort or I have to like build in some guardrails or I have to cut myself some slack or I need to plan to take a break. Sometimes we have to, to keep going. We have to let ourselves stop. So how do I think about that? And when you do something, when you're tracking something every day, a lot of times people get insights into their own patterns and behaviors that they might not have realized before. Like they might not have realized like, oh, I really do much better during the week than the weekend. I hadn't realized like just how striking that was. Or I start off strong every month because I kind of get energized by, you know, the first day, but then I kind of peter off. So the end of the month is tricky for me. Or maybe I always thought that I was really bad on vacation of doing it. But actually, when I look on it, I do pretty well when I'm traveling. And so this is not such a concern. And so I, I don't have to be so hard on myself. So I just found that for many people, that kind of tracking really helped keep them consistently making progress towards whatever aims they were trying to achieve. I love the vibe of how, I don't know, kind that journal sounds. Because when I first heard about it, you know, I do that my podcast with Laura Vanderkam, who's yes. like the streaker of all streakers. Like oh, if she says she's going to do she's something, beyond, she's going to yes. do it for a decade. Yes. And so I'm yes. like, I'm not like that. I actually find streaks kind of intimidating. But I love the idea that you could track it with the idea that it's like exploratory and okay to fail. Yes. And so sound, it sounds like that's kind of built into the vibe of it, which I just, I love that. I no, love that. Yeah. And I think you're exactly right that I think sometimes people are like, if something succeeds or fails, but actually there's a lot of things, even if it doesn't work for you, you've learned something about yourself. Like you're like, okay, well, I tried it this way. It's really not working. So now I need to think of another way. It's time for me to move on. And look, for everyone, you know, no tool fits every hand. And so, you know, I saw this with um, to-do lists. Like some people love a to-do list. You love a to-do list. I love a to-do list. And, and you sort of hear the advice, like everyone should have a to-do list. But when I started really looking into it, some people don't like a to-do list. So I have this tackle box. Speaking of things that I created, I think this is so, this is so fun. So it's a tackle box. So it's a box and it has five sticky pads in it. One sticky pad is for a to-do list. One sticky pad is for a ta-da list. So this is right where you write all the things you've already done because a lot of people get very energized and focused by writing down what they've already accomplished. I never do this, but now, now I've started because people have sort of, have kind of convinced me that it's very powerful. But for some people, this actually is really, really important. This is how they keep themselves energized is by, think, is by looking back. So you have a to-do list, a to-do list. You have a to-do list and you have a today list. That's for people who want to, like, they can get sort of overwhelmed when they think about everything they want to get done. It's like, let's just think about today. Just think about today. And, you know, that's where we're going to start from. So there's to-do, today, to-da. Okay, there's to-do and then there's could-do, if you feel like it. Because some people, if they write it on a to-do list, they're like, nobody tells me what to do. Not even me. And like the that minute they the rebel one, isn't it? That you know your tendencies. <laughs> yes. Rebels often don't like to do lists. They resist even themselves telling what to do. So they what they tell me is like they call it a might could list. Or, you know, I could if I feel like it list. So this is a list that says could do if I feel like it. And this is to remind rebels, no one's making you do anything. It's just what you choose. It's what you want. If you feel like it. Because even rebels find it, they're like, well, sometimes it's helpful to write it down. So when the mood strikes, 
I kind of know what I thought would be useful, but it's just a could do list to do. No could one's do. making me. No do one's any making of these me. This is just like you know, in, in you know, just just writing stuff down. And there's to doodle. So to doodle is just one where you can drop because a lot of times it's like people can get focused by doodling or sometimes like you know with planning. Sometimes you want to kind of visualize it in a different way. You want to move out of the sort of the classic list and do some kind of other representation of what you're planning. And so that's a little sticky pad to remind you that, you know, maybe that would be a good approach for whatever you're sort of trying to figure out. Or sometimes, you know, when you're planning, you kind of have to think like, okay, well, if we did that, this, we do that, that, like, how's that going to break down? Like, oh, I got to do my Christmas shopping. Let me think about like how much I want to spend on everyone. Like, let me do the division a couple different ways. You know, sometimes you just, you need a scratch pad. And so that's to doodle. And I think this is really, this is, then there's something for everyone. And a lot of us like to use different approaches for different tasks, but I think it's nice for people to realize, hey, like, if something doesn't work for me, there's nothing wrong with me. It's just, this works really well for some people. And I'm going to try something else that works better for me. I love it. I feel like I could buy that box for my family and dole out a pad to each Isn't person. it funny? <laughs> right? Yes, this is all five. So you can indulge any mood. But I do think there are some people where they're like, yeah, you know, I'm one is, my, is the what I like. But it's that it's also that ta-da, that is also was part of what informed Don't Break the Chain is to think about that for some people, it's not only forward looking, it's backward looking, because the more you do, the more you get that feeling of like, look how far I've come. And that's very, very valuable. So having some kind of keepsake that will allow you to at the end of the year or at the end of whatever period you're doing to say, wow, I, you know, it's easy. Sometimes we're hard on ourselves and we think of all the times that we screwed up and you're like, well, maybe I didn't read to my child every night boy, we read a lot of books. We spent a lot of hours reading aloud. Like I can feel good about that. And so that, you know, that's important too. I love it. It all has kind of like a positive spin. And when you first envisioned the different pads, were you thinking one for each tendency? Like, is that where it came from? And then it... Well, you know, it's funny that it was kind of intertwined because that, because, and I'm impressed, you know, your tendency. So <laughs> anybody, course. if you don't know what we're talking about, go to, go to Gretchen Rubin to, dot com slash four tendencies and you can take a quiz and find out if you're an upholder like us which you probably are not because we're pretty rare <laughs> i don't know though i feel like this podcast probably appeals to Ooh. a disproportionate yes. number of upholders of course you're right <laughs> yes just, i know a survey sometimes oh my gosh we should have like a polder podcast that would be so funny we should have like a <laughs> podcast for all the tendencies where they just talk amongst themselves that would be i would love to do that, that okay you gave me a good idea for 2022 well, I, I didn't, I sort of, sort of thinking, I just was always very interested in how the tendencies would use different tools differently. Like, I, like you said, Rebels, I was very curious that Rebels would often volunteer that they didn't like to use to-do lists or that they would resist a to-do list. And then questioners would often, like, they really like to monitor. They love information and data and tracking. And so for them, I just noticed something like Don't Break the Chain worked a lot. And that they also tended to like things like to do today because they're very much in that like optimization efficiency frame of mind often. And then obligers, interesting, were kind of drawn to Tada because I think for obligers, since they feel that weight of outer expectation, it was very comforting for them to be like, look, like, look at all the stuff that I've done. And they can sometimes be hard on themselves and think like, well, I'm keeping my promises to other people, but I'm not keeping my promises to myself. But like, and then you're like reminded of what you've done. But here's the other thing 
about journals in general with obligers. So if, if you don't know, obligers readily meet outer accountability, but they struggle to meet, to have inner accountability. So they need outward structures of outer accountability. But often obligers can think of their future selves and they can say, okay, right now, Gretchen doesn't feel like doing this, but future Gretchen is going to be so disappointed if we come to the end of the year and I really have not developed that habit of reading to my child every day the way that I was like really, really committed to doing it. I have to think about future self. I have to think what my future self is going to think about, and that's got to inform what I do. And so a planner is really great because that's where these plans are made for the future self to look back on. And so not all obligers can use that as outer accountability because it's very imaginative and it's it's not true outer accountability because it comes from within. It's using your imagination to think of your future self, sort of an outer outer accountability. But for many obligers, it is very, very powerful. That is so interesting. If anybody is listening to this and they identify as like a super obliger, I would be interested in what planning systems you that yes. work for you. Yes. And or if you feel like you need some planner matchmaking help, because I hadn't really thought through that. I thought a little bit about rebel planning. Yes. Upholder planning comes very naturally to me. Obliger planning is interesting. Well, so, so, yeah, you know, obligers are often attracted to places that have outer accountability. So like if you're at work and you have to make plans, that kind of you have a lot of structures to help you plan because you've got deliverables, you've got clients, you've got you've got check in meetings, you've got a boss, you've got team members who like they're not going to be able to do their work if you don't do your part. So it creates a lot of that. And so the planning comes naturally. But I think then sometimes obligers are surprised that like in their personal lives, that kind of planning that seems to be come so readily at work doesn't translate into their personal life. They don't realize that they need outer accountability. So, I mean, I've heard of people doing things like they'll even like with a friend say, let's take a half an hour and we'll just both put our phones on like mute, but we're just going to sit here and like plan out our weeks together or like do meal planning and you're doing it and I'm doing it. We're holding each other accountable, but we're not even talking. It's just the idea that someone's doing it. Or like they'll take a picture of like, here's my to-do list. What's your to-do list? Just as a way to have somebody to reflect back. That totally makes sense. Oh my goodness. Okay, one last question for you. Um, and that is about planning in fun. Because I feel like that is something you are... Yes. I've learned so much from you about doing that. And I admire the way you seem to do it. Like very, I don't know if it's been natural or not, but tell our listeners some secrets for how you have figured out how to plan in fun so well. Well, I think, you know, that a lot of times people feel like fun should be spontaneous and that you shouldn't have to plan fun. Or maybe it's even like sort of antithetical to fun to plan it. And I think that if something's important to me, like I put it on the calendar and I sort of in my mind block off like, okay, Saturday afternoon, I want to have a couple of hours to just read on the sofa. I've got a book that I'm really excited to read. Like that goes on the calendar, just like a dentist appointment. I So I schedule time for it. I also think that you want to look for opportunities to have fun and have adventures. Um, was, you know, I think it was Jerry Seinfeld who said like, there's no such thing as fun for the whole family. And I think sometimes, it, especially when you're in the rush hour of life, it's easy to have everything be, this is what we're doing as a family. And this is what, you know, these friends invited us along. And this is what we do with, in my family every Thanksgiving. But the thing about fun is it has to be fun for you. And by fun, I mean, you actually look forward to it. You enjoy it when it's happening. So you need to think about what's actually fun for you. 
something that you anticipate with pleasure, something that you enjoy while it's happening, and something that you look back on with pleasure. Because you don't want to do something to make yourself feel better that just ends up making you feel worse. Like, oh, I'm going to splurge on that black and white cookie and eat the whole thing. It's like, it was fun while it happened, but I'm not looking back on it with pleasure. So that's not, that's fun, but it's a very short-lived kind of fun. And then people are saying something like, oh, I signed up for a yoga class. And like my sister said this, and I was like, look, I know you. For some people, that yoga class is truly fun. For you, it's more like, I know it's going to make me happier generally, but it's not fun in the way that it's like, ooh, you're like rubbing your hands together with glee that it's coming up. For you, it's like an investment in your overall happiness. It's not fun. Like watching The Real Housewives for her is fun. And I think, you know, to have a happy life, you don't want to have all fun because I think that would not be a good life. But you want to have some fun and you want to think about, and you know, often this has to do with relationships. Relationships are so key to a happy life. When they study people who are happier, it's because they have more, they have enduring intimate bonds. And so if you're thinking, wow, you know, I really don't see my friends anymore, or I'm not making new friends, or I'm not finding time to do things like watch classic movies or read more, you know, you really want to put that in your calendar, plan for that. It might be making a list of all the things that you want to do. Cause a lot of times, if you have a list of things that you're excited about, you're more likely to do it. Might be joining or starting a group because also that can help you make time for it. If you're in a book group, you have to make time to see friends and you also have time to have to make time to read the book, you know, but it doesn't have to be a book. It could be, oh, let's all watch a TV show and talk about it. Or, you know, let's all go bird watching together or, or whatever it is. But it's a way to both build relationships and to build time because you have this structure around something that you enjoy. I love it. Oh my gosh. So much to think about in this episode. Thank you so much for coming on. It has been an honor. Can oh. you tell our listeners where they can find you and where they can shop for the like the fun new products that you have out? Because I am like, as soon as we hang up, I'm going to go start browsing. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Um, yes. So if you go to GretchenRubin.com, you can find my books, all these free resources. You can take the quiz there if you want to take the quiz. If you want to just go straight to the quiz, you can go to GretchenRubin.com slash four tendencies. To look at the journals, which again, they're they're new and I'm so excited about them. If you go to GretchenRubin.com, you can go to the happiness project on the, you know, on and just click on that and it will take you to where you can get to the shop. Or you can go to the hyphen happiness hyphen project.com and find them there. And I'm all over social media as Gretchen Rubin. And I love to hear people's insights and observations. So hit me up. I love to engage. And then I have, like, I'm all over the place. I also have a podcast as one does, called Happier with Gretchen Rubin, where uh, every week I talk about how to be happier, healthier, more productive, and more creative with my sister, Elizabeth Kraft. It is such a fun listen. You will get so many ideas from Happier. So if you don't already listen, definitely check it out. Thank you so much for coming on. This was a pleasure. Oh, it was so much fun to talk to you. I feel like we could talk all day. We're interested in so many of the same things. Thank you. You're welcome. Ah, well, that was amazing. What a thrill it is to speak with Gretchen. I hope that wasn't my last time. I will have her on the show as often as she is willing to come. <laughs> and I really am very excited to check out her products. Those pads sound adorable. And I think the Don't Break the Chain journal sounds really unique and fun. And I, I want to 
get one just to check it out. So uh, again, I hope you enjoyed listening. If you have comments, share them in the show notes. I'll be sure to link up her new products as well. And um, you can always find me on my blog, theshoebox.com, T-H-E-S-H-U-B-O-X.com, where you can find the show notes as well as Instagram at shoebox underscore plans and the underscore shoebox. Have a wonderful Monday if you are listening to this when it comes out and otherwise have a fantastic week. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM. Women's voices amplified.